art on your sleeve. Welcome to episode 14 of Art on Your Sleeve, a podcast about art, design and the music industry. Thank you for listening. If you're new to this podcast, you might like to listen back to previous episodes where I've interviewed sleeve designers and fans about record covers that many of us hold dear. I've been lucky to interview so many of my creative heroes for this podcast and the complimentary pop articles that are published in Classic Pop magazine and its special editions about artists such as Duran Duran, Depeche Mode, Prince and the Pet Shop Boys. This episode is a supplement of sorts to the Pet Shop Boys Classic Pop Special and also to issue 38 of the regular magazine, published in March 2018, where I explored the beautiful photographic work of the Douglas Brothers. Before I get into it, I'd also like to thank everyone who's already joined the new Art on Your Sleeve Facebook group and for all the great comments about the recent episode with Peter Coyle, where we talked about his entire pop career, including the early days with the Lotus Eaters. The group is growing nicely and it was lovely to see that some listeners even managed to track down some of the delightful rarities that we spoke about in the podcast. This episode is a little different to usual and centres around a pivotal song that's celebrating its 30th birthday today, the 12th of November 2020. Being Boring by the Pet Shop Boys. This song remains significant for Pet Shop Boys, other respected musicians and many fans, myself included. For this reason, I feel it's worthy of a podcast of its own. Being Boring came along at an important time in my life and for politics in the not-so-great Britain of Margaret Thatcher and her Conservative government. History and significant life moments imbue music with a potency that can stay with us for a lifetime and truly great pop music endures and forms the soundtrack to our lives. And Being Boring remains a favourite for so many people. Few musical artists have fused audio and visual as artfully as Pet Shop Boys. Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe's use of art and design to project the band as a brand has been in evidence almost from day one, more than three and a half decades ago now. With backgrounds respectively in magazine publishing and architecture, it's no surprise that an eye for visual details would inevitably permeate everything that the Pet Shop Boys would go on to do. And combine this with their early association with the late Tom Watkins as their manager, a man who himself had an impressive creative pedigree working with Terence Conran before establishing XL Design Studio in 1982, where he recruited a young Mark Farrow. And we can see how things would inevitably come to be. She said we were never feeling Being boring in so many ways defines the Pet Shop Boys. Musically, it is a composition that best encapsulates their familiar, happy, sad compositional ethos. It is at once uplifting and utterly heartbreaking. Its sleeve design also fits a theme that could be defined as very Pet Shop Boys. The song was criminally overlooked at the time and didn't chart highly. 
Despite this, it remains a classic. George Michael summed up the beauty and poignancy of Being Boring when he selected it as one of his Desert Island discs for the BBC back in 2007. Neil Tennant at a certain point in the 80s was writing the most beautiful songs. No one wants to hear frightening, terrifying songs about AIDS, but they do, if they're gay and they've lost friends, they do want to hear those people referred to and remembered and honoured. And I think some of um, Neil's work did that beautifully. has been said about the song itself, its narrative, inspiration and key references, but little has been documented about its design. So before we go into that, it's worth noting just how Being Boring came together. Whilst it's a song that heralded a more mature sound for Pet Shop Boys, inspiration for the track came from unexpected quarters, as detailed by Neil Tennant in this 1996 BBC audio clip that was later released as a fan club CD titled About. We didn't set out to go mature, we never set out to go mature. We set out as usual to make an album where every track could be a single. I think we used to say at the time we started to make 10 Kylie Minogue singles. This was just the period where Kylie Minogue made her best records, you know, like, i.e. Better the Devil You Know. And, I mean, actually, Being Boring was also an attempt to do a Stock Egg and Waterman thing, believe it or not. We were always fascinated by the way Stock Egg and Waterman would change key for their choruses. And so, to be musical about it, the verse of Being Boring was written in A minor, or G minor maybe, and it simply went up a semitone into A flat for the chorus, which we wouldn't have ever normally done before. It wasn't an attempt to be mature, it was actually an attempt to be like Stock Egg and the Waterman. <laughs> this was the time of the Manchester rave thing, and I think there was an expectation that we would be making a sort of rave Manchester kind of album. In fact, we were quite influenced by what was going on there, but with the songs we had, it made it sound mellow. And the only really stompy Pet Shop Boys one was So Hard, which was the first single and the biggest hit from the album. Maybe the one reason the album being melancholy was the, the, my friend Chris Dowell dying as well. That might have had something, he died in 1989, and being boring was kind of about him and our lives together in Newcastle. But, I did, but at the same time, I don't think you can really say it cast a shadow over the whole album. Maybe it set a mood for it that we followed through. Being boring was about three phases of our life. The first verse, it was about all my friends in Newcastle. I used to go to the youth theatre, and, and this friend of mine was one of them just described that and what we, our aspirations were. And then the second verse, I moved to London, so I did to go to North London Polytechnic. And just describes, you know, the excitement of that. When I went, I left from the station with a haversack and some trepidation. Someone said, if you're not careful, you'll have nothing left. 
then the third verse is looking back on what's happened, and I'm doing what I'm doing, and he's dead. I mean, it's quite, it's quite, quite simple. You know, when you've got your best, a best friend, you just assume they'll always be around, and that not being the case. Being boring is one of our favourite songs ever. Just goes to show that what you like yourself might not be the most commercial, which is a constant dilemma I've realised in this business. From a layout and typographical perspective, Being Boring mirrored the sleeve of its parent album, Behaviour. Adopting an aesthetic that was itself introduced five years prior, in 1985, with the first sleeve design for opportunities, let's make lots of money, in brackets. Being boring across all of its formats featured another centralised rectangular image resting in a field of minimalist white space, with understated Helvetica discreetly centralised beneath it, like a credit one might see under a painting in an art gallery. The graphic design is, of course, the work of Mark Farrow and bears all the hallmarks of his classic graphic reductivism, a style that he developed and was encouraged to pursue during his short period working on sleeve designs for Factory Records in 1982. Factory was a label known for its attention to design detail, largely due to Peter Saville, an inspiration to many graphic designers during the 80s, including Mark Farrow. It's also worth acknowledging that whilst Farrow's design style for Pet Shop Boys seems unique, it isn't something that they invented or even popularised. There's a definite graphic lineage with other works of the period, most notably the earlier releases of Duran Duran and their elegant sleeves by Malcolm Garrett's Assorted Images Design Studio. Interestingly, there's another Peter Saville connection there, as Garrett studied with Saville in the late 70s in Manchester. Credits aside, this clean look oozed style and was perfectly applied to effortly project a cool, detached aesthetic that transcended many of the pop packaging tropes of the 80s. But Farrow's understated design was applied in service to a series of images taken from a session by the Douglas Brothers that were used across the various formats of the single, with a different image pairing for each item. So who are the Douglas Brothers? For a decade between 1986 and 1996, they created an expansive body of unique visual work. Their enigmatic photographic portraits featuring a diverse range of musical artists graced some of the era's most sophisticated sleeves. Andrew Douglas was born in 1952 and sibling Stuart born a decade earlier. They grew up in Southend, Essex. Their older brother Graham was a member of the new wave band Eddie and the Hot Rods and this led to some of their earliest photographic commissions for up-and-coming bands of the periods like The Jam and The Cure. Initially, the two brothers forged quite separate careers, but it is the work they produced collaboratively under the moniker of the Douglas Brothers that would lead them to greater acclaim. At the same time, reintroducing the world to an enchanting lost visual style. The period in which they were particularly prolific coincided with an era where photographers and designers would routinely utilise the new technology and software of the day, such as Adobe Photoshop, to airbrush away imperfections. By this point, pop was firmly all about visual perfection, but the rarefied techniques that had once been complicated and expensive were now readily available to a wider audience from a desktop computer. 
Rather than embracing this brave new world and working with the tools of the future, the Douglas brothers defiantly eschewed it. Preferring to look to the past, they channeled the aesthetics and techniques of pioneering Victorian photographers such as Edward Mybridge and Julia Margaret Cameron to generate images that would stand apart from the aesthetic homogeneity of the day. The brothers' evocative works were often the result of shooting long exposures using an arsenal of esoteric photographic equipment, including an aged, large-format platinum plate camera. This kind of equipment was originally designed for photographing landscapes, so using it for portrait work made for some delightfully unpredictable end results. Who was technically responsible for precisely what in the process was always unclear and remains unconfirmed to this day. The mystery only added to the magic. The controlled chaos of their craft helped them forge a distinct and recognisable signature style, which can be seen on the sleeve of being boring. This included often allowing the contact print edges of their images to be included in the final works, something that would normally be trimmed or masked from view, but it is clearly in evidence on being boring. The Douglas Brothers techniques fused 19th century traditions with a contemporary sensibility, where smudges, scratches and visual flaws were embraced, and happy accidents such as camera shake only added to the end result. Rather than obsessing about light, shadow, colour balance, an ideal composition or optimal exposure, their visual alchemy and experimentation in many ways relied on chance and intuition. This unpredictability and playfulness contrasted nicely with Mark Farrow's considered graphic perfection for being boring. To quote the brothers, the more we were able to manipulate the print in a painterly or crafted direction, the more feeling it seemed to accrue. We loved the artifacts of the process, the mistakes, the scratches, the traces of the hand. Neil Tennant himself shone a speck of light into the mysterious creative process behind the development of these images in literally the Pet Shop Boys fan club newsletter when he said, the way they work is quite unusual. One of them sets up the shot while the other one photographs. The photo shoot was staged at the Pet Shop Boys Pembridge Villas office in London and was originally commissioned for the US magazine Cream, but Tennant and Lowe were so enamoured with the results that they used them for the cover of being boring. Chris Lowe at the time described his look for the session as a b-boy from Pluto. The Douglas brothers said, We didn't pre-build sets or have concepts. We tried to respond to the moment, to the presence of the person. And I think that's true for the cover of Being Boring. They look quite natural and organic. Few photographers can claim to have had their imagery used on such a diverse range of other artists' releases, from Van Morrison to Della Soul and Satie to Sylvian. The Douglas Brothers' work remains as vital today as it was back in the 1990s, when Creative Review magazine described them as the most desirable photographers of their generation. It's easy to see why Tennant and Lowe were attracted to the duo. You can check out their work at thedouglasbrothers.com and they're also worth a follow on Instagram at thedouglasbrothersofficial. Pet Shop Boys have had a habit of working with the best in the industry, and Being Boring was no exception. With its video by Bruce Weber, its sleeve design by Mark Farrow, and photography by the Douglas Brothers, it all worked together to harmoniously dress a flawless composition by Neil Tennant and Chris Lowe. The song remains as special today as it did when it appeared 30 years ago. Happy birthday, Being Boring. If you've enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to shows. 
Art on Your Sleeve is now on every major podcast platform and there's plenty of interesting stuff in the pipeline for 2021 when we hopefully get past COVID-19 and into the world again where I can do more face-to-face interviews. Thank you.